their message of standing with criminals over victims is not going to play. You can call me names, you can call anybody else names, but at the end of the day, uh, the opponents of this bill are standing with the criminals. They're not standing with the victims who deserve uh, a little more justice, and this is a way to ensure they get it. I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. And this is another episode of Fact Check. Today we are joined by State Senator Julian Bradley. In November 2020, Julian Bradley was elected to the Wisconsin State Senate to represent the 28th District, which includes parts of Milwaukee, Racine, Walworth, and Waukesha counties. Julian graduated from Central High School in La Crosse. He graduated from the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse with a degree in political science and economics. Julian worked as a telecommunications manager for CenturyLink from 2002 to 2019 and worked as an operations manager for Northwestern Mutual from 2019 to 2020. He currently resides in Franklin, Wisconsin. I also understand you are a former pro wrestler. Please welcome and enter the room, Wisconsin State Senator Julian Bradley. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. I, I'm waiting to hear the cheers. Are you going <laughs> to put the crowd in or booze? So how did you wind up in politics? Sure. Um, it, it's been a long journey. It's been a very enlightening journey, though. My mom was very heavily involved. She was a volunteer and an activist. Uh, my mom was a staunch Democrat as well. Uh, but she was very heavily involved and brought me along when I was a child to all of her events and the things that she did. She really instilled the uh, necessity to give back to the community in me. She reminded me how important it was that we're all active citizens and that we find a cause and we fight for that cause. And as time moved on and as I aged and matured and figured out what my causes were and the things that were important to me, uh, that led me to becoming more and more active independently and uh, it was a conversation about abortion about the issue of life with my mom where I found out I was a conservative Uh, she quipped to me that as we were debating you sound like a Republican and in my Democratic household that was not the nicest thing to say to somebody so she says you know you sound like a Republican and and I started doing research this was 2002 and I realized wow she was right I, I am a conservative and uh, from then on, I, I started becoming a lot more involved in the Republican Party, worked with Mr. Fian here for uh, a number of years here in the La Crosse area, and uh, have been blessed to be in, in involved in many campaigns, and now uh, have the great honor of serving the people of the 28th Senate District. Julian, I, I know your history with the grassroots of the Republican Party well, and can you tell us a little bit about the primary election that you won? You, you're in a overwhelmingly Republican district down by Milwaukee, but you won a five-way primary against some heavy hitters. Can you tell us what what led to that victory? Sure. Uh, we got right to work. Uh, my predecessor, Senator Dave Craig, uh, made the announcement with, I believe it was 11 days to go to file signatures, that he was not going to run for re-election. And we hit it hard. We went right to work, knocking on doors and making phone calls. And we made more phone calls than we did doors just because of the nature of, of the situation. Um, and people were more comfortable at the time. This is May 2020, so you know we're still real early in this. People were still a little trepidatious about answering their door. So we made as many phone contacts as we could, um, and it turned out in our favor. Uh, we talked about the importance, uh, the campaign being, being the we, uh, of having a vision for what's next not just what we don't like. You know, it's easy to say, I'm a Republican, Tony Evers is a Democrat, I don't like Tony Evers, vote for me. 
and and that's that's good and great. But Tony Evers wasn't exactly my only opponent. I wanted people to know that I'm not just running because I don't like Tony Evers. I'm running because I have an idea of what our government's involvement should be in our lives or lack of involvement should be in our lives. Uh, I have an idea that a that smaller government is better for everybody. Uh, I have an idea that we need to protect you know, our constitutional rights and we need to make sure our spending is within our limits. I have ideas uh, about how we're going to recover from this pandemic, not just recover from it, but also set a blueprint up so that when the next one happens, that next generation can look back and say, wow, that's where they got it wrong, but also that's where they got it right. And hopefully that shortens their reaction time. Uh, and so we, d- we did a good job getting that message out there with a lot of volunteers, and uh, it-, it turned out very well. I-, I would say so. I believe you outpaced uh, the second-place opponent by 21 points or-, or something on that order. So it was a resounding victory. And now you find yourself uh, a newly minted Wisconsin State Senator coming from a very successful background in uh private uh, sector, uh, you worked at the corporate headquarters uh, for one of the nationally known uh, telecommunications companies. Now you're in the Senate. So what are your takeaways uh, after a few months uh, in, in the state Senate? Sure. Uh, it is very different from the private sector, I'll tell you that. Um, from the outside looking in, my belief on the government was that it was probably pretty dysfunctional. And I realized that I had the bar too high. Uh, you get in there and you get to see just how um, how things are working or not working for the people. And it's frustrating. There are so many good-natured people. There are people that want to get things done. And it, you just you run into so many walls and so many people that are just beholden to lobbyists or they're beholden to the special interests that got them there or whatever it is and it's just it was an instant reminder of why i'm here every day when i when i go to the capitol uh i walk into i walk into the west wisconsin avenue uh, entrance i go right to the rotunda and i look around and i do it for two reasons one because i still get lost in the building and two <laughs> because it's a good reminder uh it, you can't help but go in there and be in awe and it, you you get that opportunity to look around and say, wow, I I have the great honor to represent the people of the 28th District. I have 177,000 people uh, that I represent. And they said, Julian Bradley, we want you to go make these decisions. Not the lobbyists, not any other special interests. I'm here for those people. And those are the people I have to answer to as well. Uh, and looking around, you look around the building and you think about all the men and women that have passed through those halls. And you go, okay, this is this is what I'm here to do. Go do it. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a great experience. It's been very eye-opening and enlightening. Um, and uh, I, I just look forward to, the, to this session, seeing how it folds out. This is going to be a very important session for our state, uh, and we have a lot of work out of us. So we're working on a new state budget, and <laughs> you're someone who has managed budgets in the private sector. Now you're part of a group of people that's trying to form a budget uh, for our state government. Can you tell us what uh, the similarities or differences are when it comes to creating a budget? Yes. Um, it, it couldn't be a lot more different. <laughs> <laughs> the, the similarities are, are very, very, very few. Uh, in the private sector, as, as anybody that's run a business knows, uh, you don't just look at your previous budget and say, okay, I'm going to add on to it and assume that you can raise your budget or grow your company by just raising your budget. In state government, that's the overwhelming uh, feeling. 
And, you know, our caucus, conservative caucus, does not agree with that. You know, you look at the governor's budget, as he sent it out, uh, 10% spending increase, billion-dollar tax increase. Uh, so many items within his budget were just an instant non-starter to me. I, I'm perfectly fine and understand that we need to spend the money to keep the government running. We have a government, and we have to spend money to keep it running. But that doesn't mean we have to expand it. We don't have to grow the government. Uh, the government has a role, and it's our job uh, to make sure that that role is confined to doing the work of the people and nothing beyond that, and not infringing on the private sector, not putting in a whole bunch of policy things and calling them budget-related items. All of those things need to be stripped out, and we need to get down to the brass tacks. We need to talk about dollars and cents. What are we going to use to fund the government? Uh, and anything outside of that just needs to come out. Barring tax hikes, if you were just reallocating dollars, where would you like to see money being spent? Well, right now, tax, yeah, tax hikes are completely out because we just can't afford it. We cannot afford it. We're coming out of a pandemic. We have, and we don't need it. There, there's, I, I'm going to go off a little bit on tax hikes because we have over $20 billion that have, that's come into the state of Wisconsin from various stimulus funds, $20 billion. Our budget last cycle was $91 billion. So we have $20 billion that have come in. There is no justifiable reason to raise taxes. We have more than enough money that's coming from the feds. The governor himself has another $3.2 billion where he can allocate wherever. He talked about this being the year of, of broadband, which is something I know quite a bit about. I'm, and I'm the chair of the, the utilities committee. That's exciting. Year of broadband. Let's, let's do something for broadband. Uh, just a week and some change ago, uh, we voted on a bill that would have taken $500 million from that $3.2 billion and allocated it to broadband expansion. It passed the Assembly, it passed the Senate, and the governor vetoed that bill. With him having total control of those purse strings being of that $3.2 billion and knowing where he's going to spend it, he hasn't told us where he's going to spend the money. So I can't even begin to say where I believe we should increase money because he may already have a secret plan of where to spend it, and he's not sharing that right now. That's a pretty difficult place. Uh, constitutionally, the legislature is charged with appropriating money to the state, and now we have an odd situation where the governor has these billions of dollars that have come and been given to him by, uh, well, I'll just say Democrats at the federal level decided to make it his decision how the money gets spent. How do you budget when you have no idea how the governor intends to spend that money? You talked about uh, expanding broadband, which is a really important issue in outstate Wisconsin. So where is this headed? How does the legislature create a budget when the governor basically isn't working with you? That's that's the biggest challenge that we have right now. That's why we we passed the bills. We had 11 bills that were to be guidance to the governor where the legislature would like to see that money spent uh, so that we could go forward working on the budget, come up with a budget that's right for Wisconsin. And he vetoed all 11 bills. We knew he was going to, and he did. And, and we had funding for roads. We had funding for broadband expansion. I, I mean, there was a lot of really good things in there. And he just vetoed all of them. Uh, he's announced some small business grants that are coming out, but we still have uh, you know, over $3 billion, approximately $3 billion, that he's not announced where it's going to be allocated. And we have to know that in order to put the budget together. Uh, so it's 
we're, we're kind of in, in a holding pattern. We're working through it. The, the Joint Committee on Finance is coming together. They are working through the budget uh, and, and doing the best that they can to make sure that we have a, a good working budget uh, for the state of Wisconsin. It's just the governor's certainly not helping the process. So you've already passed and seen your first bill signed by the governor. Can you tell us about that bill? Sure. You know, that, that is one thing that a lot of people don't really hear about is that there is some bipartisan work that, that is done. I'm the chairman of the uh, Senate Committee on Utilities, and we do a, uh, every, every session approximately, they do a, a bill that works together with the Public Service Commission, the utilities, et cetera, to come together and say, okay, these are some of the things that need to be fixed. And the bill that we were able to pass and, and was signed by the governor uh, funds the group. Uh, it's called CUB, the Citizens Utility Board that basically are our representatives as individuals when rate cases, when rate increase cases are coming up uh, to the board. So they represent us and say, you know, let's not raise rates too much. They're our voice at the table. Uh, and that's probably the biggest win in that bill. Very happy and excited to see that passed and, and see that signed. That's a big win for Wisconsin. And exciting that your first bill that uh, you authored is, is now law. So congratulations on that. The other bill that I find really interesting has to do with the huge amount of federal stimulus that the Biden administration and federal Democrats passed, uh, $1.9 trillion, and part of that was $1,400 checks that went to individuals. And uh, you saw something about that that you didn't like, and uh, you've proposed legislation about it. Tell us what yeah. that's about. Yeah, so the uh, $1.9 trillion that came out uh, did have those stimulus checks, and those stimulus checks uh, went to prisoners. They went to rapists, murderers, child molesters. They all qualified, uh, you know, if they met those conditions uh, to get stimulus payments, they got them. And Representative Joe Sanfilippo and I said, that's not right. We heard some people talking about it at the federal level as well. It goes back to under President Trump, the first uh, stimulus that came out. The Treasury said, well, wait a minute, I don't think that was correct, but it it was too late. They let the payments go through. Uh, I got in, I got elected, and I said, well, we need to, let's work on that, and let's make sure that doesn't happen, because I believe that was an unintended consequence. Uh, So here's our opportunity to fix it, at least here in Wisconsin. And so we we introduced legislation um, that would ensure restitution is paid to the victims, rather than letting the criminals uh, bank that money and you know, people ask me, you know, what are, what has the first hundred days been like? What are the first few months been like? And the biggest surprise that happened to me was after introducing this bill, uh, one of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle in the assembly uh, started talking about me being a white supremacist. And I just never imagined, uh, this is the first time I've ever been called a white supremacist, and I just never imagined that. Um, for I, I for would our be. listeners, you should be aware that Julian Bradley is a black man. Okay, so that that'll add some needed context yeah. here. Yes. <laughs> so that was that was a first. Um, I, w- I was pretty surprised by that, um, but it's it's the partisan playbook that the other side goes to. They don't like a a bill from the the Republicans. They pull it out the race card and say, okay, well, it must be racist. Um, it was really disappointing because if you look in. In the area that I represent, which I have a little bit of the city of Milwaukee, but even in Milwaukee itself, you know, the assumption of those that are claiming this is white supremacy because uh, there are so many African Americans that are locked up in jail, let's take a look at the victims. 
the, I believe it was 90% of the victims of violent crime, and specifically homicide, in Milwaukee were African American. 90%. And those are the people that would be receiving the, this funding. Those are the victims that would be, we would be trying to help in any way we can feel whole again. They've lost a loved one, a family member, and we're saying, you know what, nothing can ever replace them. But let's at least give you the restitution that was ordered by the judge. Because otherwise, a murderer is not going to have the opportunity. Where are they going to make money to be able to pay any of that back? When you uh, use that argument, what's the response? Uh, there is not one. And it's, it's really un- unfortunate. Uh, since the whole you know, labeling this white supremacy came out, uh, I've done as much media as I possibly can to talk to people and remind them that that is the argument. And they've been silent. There is no response to it. And, and I think it's because they realize that their message of standing with criminals over victims is not going to play. You can call me names. You can call anybody else names. But at the end of the day, uh, the opponents of this bill are standing with the criminals. They're not standing with the victims who deserve uh, a little more justice. And this is a way to ensure they get it. So now what? Uh, We'll be hearing it very soon. Uh, There's already another stimulus being planned at the federal level. President Biden's going to have another one coming out. uh, And we hope to get this heard and get it through committee. And I'd love to get it to the floor to be voted on. And, you know, the governor is going to have to make a decision. I think a lot of people are going to have to say, do we stand with criminals or do we stand with victims? And I can tell you, Julian Bradley, he's he's standing with the people that were victimized by these, these criminals. He's going to help them. I am going to do my best to help them in every way I can. Uh, this bill just makes common sense. It's, it's just common sense. So Governor Evers proposed his own budget, and um, maybe you could just talk a little bit about what was in that budget and uh, what's your response to the governor's proposal? Yeah, immediately it was, a, it was a non-starter because of the expansion of government. It was an instant expansion of government. It was loaded with policy initiatives that he was hoping to get through in the budget because he knows on standalone bills he can't get these things through. Uh, you know, he wants, what is it, a 10% spending increase, over a billion dollars in tax uh, increases, taking away local government budgeting tools. Uh, you know, he wants to repeal right to work, so basically forced unionization comes back. These things are all just non-starters for me. Uh, We need to start at base, start at scratch, and come up with a budget that makes sense for the people of the state of Wisconsin, not a a liberal governor's wish list of policy initiatives that he couldn't get through the Assembly or the Senate on their own. That's not what a budget's for. Under the current uh, budget, the consumer price index is increased about 3.5%. So what the governor's proposing is literally – an increase in spending that's triple the cost of living increase. And so for those folks at home who are on Social Security who are going to get their 2.5% increase, he wants to increase state spending about four times what people on those fixed incomes uh, will be receiving. The other uh, issue that I wanted to just touch on briefly with you was uh, you were instrumental in ensuring that the PPP loans that came from the federal government we're not going to be taxed in Wisconsin. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Sure. Senator Roger Roth uh, was the first one to bring it up in our caucus, and he was looking for people to hop on and support it with him. And I reached out and I said, count me in. We need to, we need to make sure, you know, this is a half a billion dollars that would have been pushed on to small business owners. So a half a billion dollars in taxes that would have been levied on 
aid that came from the federal Correct. government. So something that a small business owner would not have been planning for. Uh, that's another issue where we were able to work in a bipartisan manner. I started reaching out to immediately since I've gotten there. Look, I'm you know I come from a very conservative district. I clearly have very conservative values, uh, but I talk to the other side of the aisle because that's how things get done. I'm willing to talk and I'm willing to listen. Who, who's uh, listening on the other side? Well, hopefully they all listen to your podcast, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm, I'm willing to engage in those conversations, and you know, there are whether it's a red district or a blue district, there are small business owners that couldn't afford this this tax that the governor supported. He was in favor of taxing small businesses. Again, this year, it would have been the first quarter of this year when your taxes are due that you would have had to pay taxes on those loans. And we got to work, and we went and we talked to as many people as we could, and we, we gathered uh, a ton of support for it. It didn't look like it was going to be that way initially, but everybody came around. We were happy to pass it. I, I, passing that and getting it signed... Uh, I think was my first official big win as a senator because that's that's what I'm here to do. Those are the kinds of things we're here to look out for. We don't want to penalize people that Tony Evers had already penalized by shutting their business down. They had to get the PPP loans. They got them, and now he wanted to tax them on top of it. And I was glad, honestly, that the governor came around and signed it. He signed the bill because he, he there was enough pressure on him to, to realize this is what's right for the people. We can't – we just can't afford to tax them out of their businesses. So you won't be up for re-election until November of 2024. And so you've really got almost four years ahead of you. Uh, Four years from now, if there was one thing that you could accomplish and look back on and say, a job well done, if I got that one thing done, what would that one thing be? It wouldn't be, there's no one piece of legislation. What it would be is that we, we defined the scope and the role of the government during a pandemic. You, you only get an opportunity to do that every 100 years or so. And that is my number one goal. If I can do that and then go before the people that sent me to Madison and they say, wow, Julian, you really were an advocate for us. You did a good job, then I did a good job. And if I can't do that, then I failed. That's a, an admirable goal because if we can learn from the experience that we've been through and perhaps make it easier the next time. I think that's something we can all agree would be a good thing. Let's not have history repeat itself. Right, right. Thank you, Julian. And thanks for joining us today for our talk with Wisconsin State Senator Julian Bradley. You can share your thoughts on this conversation and other important issues affecting the lacrosse area, the state of Wisconsin, and occasionally national politics as it relates to us on the Facebook group Fact Check Wisdom. I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. And this has been another episode of Fact Check. You can subscribe to this podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts or listen at wizmnews.com.